I just realized that Wesleyan was a huge bubble. The ideal vision of my, my creative career, my life, what does that look like? I know so many people who have been unbelievably depressed. Almost half of my paycheck was going to my rent. I mean, it's been a, a tough first year. You've just graduated from college. You need to find a job and a place to live, make new friends, manage your money, and set yourself up for success. That's a lot, right? In this podcast, you will hear from recent grads reflecting on their experiences and from experts who will tell you how to do it right. I'm Sharon belden Castingway, Director of the Gordon Career Center at Wesleyan University, and this is First Year Out. Money. It's something few new college grads have enough of at a time when many are just learning how to manage it. How can I possibly afford rent in my new city? Can I afford to have a car? A social life? I know I should be saving, but how can I when I'm barely getting by? Um, but I don't know why, but the more money I had, the more it seemed to slip away. And that was because I realized I'm like terrible at budgeting. Um, so when I realized that that was the case and that was a pattern, I took a budgeting course. Um, so I'm currently kind of revolutionizing my wallet and my finances and the way I think about money. Um, yeah, and that's just through education. Like I'm still in that process of learning how to, 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 to budget and to deal with money. That was Maimuna Sibi, class of 2016. Today we're talking about money, specifically how to manage it when you're right out of school and not making much of it yet. To help us out with this topic, I'm speaking with Brenda Rennie, Wesleyan class of 1978 and wealth market executive for Southern New England for TD Private Client Group. Brenda, do you feel that it's common for young people to struggle with learning how to manage their finances after school? Well, I'm sorry to say that it is. Yes, I, I don't think that we do a good enough job, either at the high school or the college level, in preparing people um, as they enter their work life to understand the basics of financial management. You know, a lot of our new grads move to very expensive cities like New York. I talked to one alum, Hazal Mutar, class of 2014, who got around that by rationing herself, by taking out $100 a week and spending only that. So I knew coming into New York that I got my first paycheck, and it was really expensive. Like, my rent was really high. I think, like, almost half of my paycheck was going to my rent, like, something ridiculous like that. And then you have, like, the subway card and all those things. So I literally would take out $100 beginning of every week, and I would say, okay, like, this is all the money I have. Like, I will live off of $100. And I made sure that it was cash and it wasn't on my card because it's, like, harder to keep track. So I would, like, if I spent $30 somewhere on Monday, I would be like, okay, you have $70 left for the rest of the week. Um, so I did that for a very long time and actually saved, like, a lot of money. And I don't recommend necessarily doing $100 um, in New York. That goes by really quickly. But I think just having a limit and saying, okay, like, I have 200, 300, like whatever it may be per week that I will spend. And then like if you have a music event that you're going to and you realize that, okay, like $50 of it will go to that, then you have $250 to do other things. I think just being thoughtful about where your money goes is really helpful. 
Brenda, what do you think of the strategy of using cash? I think that if you start with a limited number on the cash, that's great. But honestly, I think that it's better to know where the money is going. And in effect, I usually recommend that folks, first of all, use a debit card, not a credit card, because you can get in trouble with a credit card until you're sure you have the self-discipline not to overspend. But a debit card gives you a trail. Uh, then you can go in at the end of a month and look at your account and see exactly what you've spent and where you've spent it. This becomes important because it shows you your patterns of spending. Are you, you know, are you doing the $4.50 a cup uh, Starbucks coffee? Are you eating lunch out every day when you, you know, could be bringing your lunch? And it, it really helps you then to track your expenses. And what we're going to stress in any kind of financial planning conversation is, you first, the first thing you absolutely need to do to know is where the money is going. So that helps you formulate your budget. So from my point of view, yes, if you say I'm going to spend a hundred dollars a week and you stick to that, great. But it's not really teaching you um, the self-discipline and/or giving you the data you need uh, to to get where you need to be. Here's what Camila Ricaldi, class of 2016, had to say about her experience with budgeting. Um, I definitely am a queen of organization. I think if, if when dealing with money, spreadsheets are the best way to go. And for me, that means keeping a strict budget. So there's a whole bunch of ways to do this. But the two things that I think about most are Google Sheets and the Mint app. And there has been no better way, even like talking amongst my friends, to kind of break things down and be very logical. So like I have this much, I rented X amount, I spent X amount on like going out to eat and figuring all of your priorities out first and then writing them all out and then um, figuring out what's left and then using what's left to save. So for me, like having spreadsheets with all of the things that I, just like a budget and then on top of that, using apps that help you check in with yourself and make it easier to see where your money is going because it's so easy to lose, to lose track of that has been really, really incredible when it comes to budgeting and made it so much easier than like being surprised when you look at your bank account. Brenda, what do you think of using different apps like Mint or a good old fashioned spreadsheet, anything along those lines to track spending? I think it's absolutely necessary. I'm envious of this generation with the the amount of tools they have for free at their fingertips. It's really great. I counsel everyone from the young people I work with all the way up through my own team to my clients, uh, the clients of the bank, uh, the wealth clients, to use all of these online tools. They're really great. Uh, everything from a basic budget to tracking your spending, you can even go further into the types of planning that most individuals will need at some point in their lifetime. You can you can do a will, you can investigate trusts, you can do all sorts of great things online. So I'm 100% in favor of those. Um, one of the things I like to always say to people is to pay yourself first. So there are also apps that help you divert part of your paycheck and to then be able to monitor that and watch it grow. I think that can start with teenagers. I think it's a great idea. Let's talk about saving. 
Zach Mintz, class of 2015, thinks it's really important. Um, I was very good about saving uh, money in my first two years and, and even now, and I think that's very important. I think some people become, uh, you know, very excited when they start to get their own paychecks, uh, but it's important to save. Uh, and New York City is a very expensive city, first of all. Um, and you want to, you know, properly manage your money. I've also developed a tremendous amount of respect uh, for my parents uh, <laughs> since I've graduated. Uh, you know, I was about my third year out of college, and I've been doing this for, you know, God knows how many years. So, um, obviously, uh, you know, uh, I'll confer with my parents if I have any questions about, you know, how I should be spending money or, you know, things like bills and, you know, plans like that. Uh, but I think it's good about it's important to kind of budget yourself uh, maybe set up a target of how much money you save, uh, you know, a plan obviously allocates the money um, to do some of the activities, but definitely, definitely a strong believer in saving a little bit straight out of college. Can you elaborate a bit on how important it is to save and when that should start and what you should be saving for? Absolutely. It's incredibly important to save for a variety of reasons. First, we are in a relatively low interest rate environment, which means that the amount of return that you might get on an investment is not as high as it might have been for some of us when we were young adults. There's uh, something called the rule of 72, which I like to explain to um, young people today, and that's that if you take 72 divided by the current rate of return, that will give you the number of years it'll take to double your money. So let's say it's an 8% interest uh, return environment, which is unusual right now, but let's say it is, that would mean that every nine years you would double your money. Now we all know we're more in the one to 2% uh, net rate of return after taxes. So you know if you've got 72 years <laughs> before you double your money, you've got to start thinking a little differently about when you start. And you really need to save a lot more than some of us did. That in addition, we have the issue of people needing to work longer and living longer, which is a whole separate conversation we get into, um, not having a 40-year career in one firm. That's becoming much more rare. You're going to have to move a lot, reinvent yourself throughout your career. And um, I think that everyone needs to understand the impact of compounded interest. So we have some great charts we use that show what would happen if you started to save $100 a month uh, at the time you're about 17 or 18 and how many, quite literally, millions of dollars you will have um, by the time you retire. So yes, start early, uh, pay yourself, be, be disciplined about it. Always comes out with a great result. Are there any particular tips you like to give people who are looking for a new bank? You know, when students graduate, they're frequently moving to a new area. They might want to start over with, say, a new checking account. Are there things they should be looking for, either pro and con, when they're bank shopping? Absolutely. First of all, they should be looking to not pay any fees. Uh, hidden fees can really eat away at what you're saving. And then... You know, eventually we all hope that you'll have saved enough that you can invest it. And investing money also, you should be very fee sensitive um, until you, you know, you're at a point where it, is, it makes sense for you to pay for that professional advice. So if you're starting out, you should look for a bank that's going to offer you a free checking and savings. 
um, you should look for credit cards that conversely give you points or give you miles or give you certain things. Again, you need to offset that by any kind of a fee that the credit card would charge. Um, so that's the first thing. I would look also for, because in this generation, so much is done online, I would look for a bank that has a great online um, access so that you can pay your bills online, you can look at all of your accounts, you can move money between checking and savings, that sort of thing. There's absolutely nothing wrong with shopping rate for an FDIC, very important, an FDIC-insured um, bank. There's a lot of great online banking, such as Ally and others, that offer really aggressive rates on money market accounts and savings accounts. So uh, I think it's it's good to do a little research online, and there are even sites that, that compare these banks for you. So lots of great online tools and, and information at your fingertips. How about credit cards? Johnny Lezebnik, class of 2016, had strong feelings about managing credit wisely. I was actually on a date recently, and this guy was like, yeah, I'm in credit card debt, but as soon as I'm out, um, I'm just going to like blow a whole paycheck on clothing. <laughs> I was just kind of like, oh, man, we're never going to be able to date because that's so alien to me, that idea that you would have like be in debt and then get some money and then blow all that money. Brenda, how about the topic of credit cards? I know that you addressed your preference for debit cards. How important is it to have a credit card for building a credit rating? It will become more important as you age. So I would say right out of college, if you've had a credit card, you've shared a joint credit card with a parent, and you understand how credit works and you understand your own uh, behaviors, then it's perfectly fine to have one. And in fact, that's great because you will build a credit rating. What I don't want to see happen is somebody not be able to pay the monthly balance and end up in a very high interest rate area, 13, 15, 18, 21%, because that's just nuts. Um, so I think it depends very much on the individual. In terms of building a credit history, that's very important. Uh, it is true that when you're in your early 20s and likely not maybe perhaps ready to buy a home, that credit history isn't quite as important. But certainly by your mid to late 20s, if you've had a full-time job and you've managed to start saving towards a down payment, then in fact you should have a credit history and you should have a credit card. The key is, of course, pay it off. And I've heard a lot of people say, well, if you pay the whole balance, you don't have a credit score. It's actually not true. Paying the whole balance is very good, and it's clearly what you want to do. So you show a history of timely payment. Um, in addition, there are certain things that you do that actually reduce your credit score, and some folks don't know that. One of them is to have an automobile loan. So if you do, if you need a car for your job or you need a car in general and you've taken one of those great low-interest automobile loans, at the time or prior to the time you want to purchase a home, for example, maybe a year or two before, you should pay that loan off. Uh, there are other types of loans that will not show up on your credit report, such as many types of student loans for education. Again, you should always pay everything timely. One other thing to think about in terms of your credit is just how many credit cards you have. People should absolutely resist the urge to open up lots of them. That reduces your credit score, and most folks won't tell you that either. So 
So don't be misled, or misled, I should say, by offers of, you know, open this credit card at Old Navy and open this credit card at Lord & Taylor or whatever the shops are, um, Target, uh, because that is not going to help you. You're much better off picking one really good card with good benefits from one bank or provider and putting all your purchases on one. Here's Camila Ricaldi talking about compromises. I've moved so many times since I um, have been in New York, and I think one one thing to keep in mind when it comes to that is like few things um was facebook groups and lovely and nyc facebook groups are blessing they are so great that's how i found so many living situations and i know so many people are like um from leslie and have done the same um so like capitalizing on facebook groups or buzzing groups or community groups online that you already feel comfortable with to find roommates is the best and it's a lot easier than like finding like a craigslist roommate um so that's definitely like a key component to, to finding a comfortable space. And then also um, like being aware for me, especially this is in particular to the city, like making compromises. So like figuring out if, if you want a nice apartment, you're probably not going to be in the nicest area. If you want to be in a nice area, you're probably not going to have the nicest apartment. Um, so for me, like keeping in mind all of these compromises and realizing that like wow, the room that I had senior year at Wesleyan is like the biggest room I am going to have for many years to come, and that is totally fine. Adi Sleepak, class of 2016, also spoke to this. I'm making it work. I mean, it's, it is one thing I didn't like fully realize when I like signed on for like I'm paying like $900 a month, which is like pretty pretty nice <laughs> in in New York City, Brooklyn. I'm in Brooklyn. Um, and then you forget to think about, oh, the Wi-Fi, oh, the, the electricity, oh, the whatever, and it ends up adding up and being a little more than you expect all the time. And then now it's winter, so we've got the gas pump in, and that's the bill that I'm, like, in charge of managing. <laughs> so, like, the first month I was here, it was like, oh, it was like, Brenda, two of the most expensive things that new grads have to tackle are housing, particularly if they're moving to a place like New York or Boston or San Francisco, and paying back their loans. What ratio should they be looking for in terms of their income versus some of these high ticket items? How much is too much to spend on rent, for instance? Sure. So what we like to see is people between 25-27% of their income spending that on their housing. And, you know, some cities that's going to be a challenge, which means you got to get a roommate or maybe you're going to a less wonderful area, hopefully still safe. Uh, but this is pretty typical. And, again, a little bit of that can also uh, be offset by some urban areas. Employers in those areas know this and will pay you a slightly more in a salary to offset the high cost of housing. But in general, it's good for people to analyze the rent, um, again, too, with what the commute costs, because it can be that you could be living outside a city uh, have it be significantly less rent, and have commuting or and or parking costs, which can just eat away at that. 
Or you could be living closer to work, walking to work, and thinking about the savings you have there because you don't need an automobile and you don't aren't paying for transportation. So, again, I would say let's try to stay below 27, 29%. Some financial analysts will tell you to go up to 30, 35. I would really like to see young people not do that. I think that's way too much money to be spending on housing. Yeah, certainly. When I lived in New York, that was more the norm to be looking at more like a third out of out of necessity. So that's a difficult thing to balance. Well, particularly if you have student loans. So what percentage of income do you think should be dedicated to that? And are we talking about take-home pay or pre-tax pay? Well, normally in the ratios, they're using pre-tax pay because it's a little even more grim when you start looking at net right. income. But I would say there's a couple things about student loans. Student loans, strangely enough, are the only form of debt right now in the United States that cannot be refinanced. Even credit card companies, you can call them up, you can tell them you're in trouble, they'll work with you. But student loans, um, whether they're federal or local, are usually stuck at the rate that they're at, which makes them pretty awful, because sometimes when people engage in them, they're you know, seven, eight, nine percent that can be much higher interest rates than what you might currently pay on other types of debt. So, again, it's really difficult to say what percentage of your income should be spent on that because largely it's somewhat out of your control. It's going to be the amount you took out, and then it's going to be the payment schedule that starts uh, when you graduate. Usually there's a certain number of months that you get a grace period, but then when you're out of school, the payments start. So one thing that I tell young people to do is try to negotiate with your parents. If your parents have the means to help you, and in many kids, the parents do not, but if they do, um, I did this with my own child. His um, college loans were, I think, 8.75%, which was just, I thought, really too high. So I gave him an interfamily loan. These are very easy things to do, um, which there is an applicable federal rate for what interfamily loans should be uh, for tax purposes, and I'm letting him pay it off to me. So that's one option to reduce taxes if you're, or sorry, to reduce the overall cost. Um, if you don't have that option, and in fact you're stuck with a high monthly payment, it might be worth calling the student loan. While, while you can't necessarily adjust the interest rate, you may be able to adjust the payment schedule. And you may be able to agree with them that you take it out on a longer term. Again, this varies very greatly between the type of loan, whether it's federal or state, um, and it varies region to region, state to state as well. So um, there is no one hard and fast rule that, you know, if if all of your income, if more than half of your income is going to paying off debt, it, it doesn't, it's not very promising for how much you're going to be able to save for the future. Brenda, talk to me a bit about retirement. Now, this isn't something that's usually much on the radar of someone who's just graduating from college, but when should it be and how should they be evaluating that type of saving opportunity with their employer? Sure. So retirement planning is actually my personal passion. So I'm a little bit way out on one end of this conversation. Um, I wish I had known uh, when I was younger, what I know now, I think it's so easy to say um, I, why I think about retirement, it's 50 or 60 years away, and it's also easy to count on certain things. I mean, the, the most common mistakes we see here are people start too late to save, 
they anticipate an inheritance that they don't get. Um, they anticipate being continuously employed their whole career, which sometimes, frankly, just doesn't happen. Um, or they don't take advantage, and this is the real mistake, of employer-paid benefits around retirement. So many kids or young people don't understand that if they make a payment and shelter a certain amount of pre-tax income, that that income can grow tax-deferred till they're in retirement and theoretically at a lower tax bracket. And for those contributions, and the limits of those are mandated by law for your age, it's uh, $18,500 a year if you're below 50, and $24,500 a year if you're above 50, they call that a catch-up. You can take that $18,500 max a year and shelter it from taxes, let it grow tax-deferred until you're ready to use it in retirement. Now, most kids coming out of college can't afford to put 20 grand more or less in a retirement account if say they're making 50 or 60 thousand dollars a year. So at a minimum, what they need to be doing is putting in the, the threshold, the least amount that qualifies for the employer to match it. And the example I like to use with them is to say, if you were walking down the street and there was a $50 bill on the ground, you would pick it up. If you don't do this match, you are literally throwing away money. You are walking past money that your employer is giving you. So it's really not a good idea. And if we go back to compounded interest and the long investment horizon, um, getting that money socked away with that employer match as early as you can is a terrific idea. Also, it helps you because you're not seeing it. So you're taking it right out of your paycheck in a pre-tax contribution, and you're not seeing it. So you're not going to spend it because you don't ever have it. And so it's an enforced savings plan in a way. Um, so I really am very passionate about that. I don't think you can start too young. Um, I don't think folks should assume that their lives are going to go on an even trajectory for the next 40 years. We certainly in finance have seen many market downturns where tons of people lost their jobs. It took them a couple of years to come back. Um, some cases not at all, but in some cases a couple of years. So yeah, I'm passionate about you can't start too soon and you should make it a game. You know, how much can I possibly save? Um, because let's face it, when you do get to be 50 or 60 or 70 years old, you're going to be really glad that you have that freedom and independence and options to retire if you want to. So in other words, at minimum, if the employer is saying we will match up to 5% of your salary, you should be working very hard to save 5% of your salary towards retirement so that you're getting that full match. And I think the other Absolutely. thing, I think a lot of students don't realize as well, because they're so new to this, that when they leave that organization, at minimum, they're going to be able to take the money that they've put in with them when they leave. And if they're fully vested, they can take the money the employer has put in as well. Correct. And that's important to bring up. Uh, so I usually say to people, starve yourself if you have to, but that, you know, you, you do not want to leave that money on the table. Um, that's really a, and one of the best perks. And you could think about it really as a huge supplement to your salary. So again, yeah, start early, save often, pay yourself, sock it away. It's really important. Any other final words of wisdom for new college graduates and their finances? 
Well, I think there's a social element to this I want to address um, because I think new college graduates, like many young people, have less of a willingness to dare to be different when it comes to money. And so I used to have them do an exercise where I'd say, try this out. You know, everybody wants to go to a bar. Everyone wants to go to a concert. Everyone's, you know, it's hard to be the one that says, you know, I'm on a budget. I can't afford that. Um, so I have them practice. And usually the feedback is when they're the person in the crowd that says, you know, I'm just going to have one drink tonight because I'm on a strict budget. I'm saving for a house or whatever way they want to talk about it. They come back surprised because the other folks around them, far from teasing them, are usually quite intrigued and say, really, what, what are you doing? Um, so it doesn't make you kind of an outcast, a social outcast or a nerd to say, I, I actually have a financial plan. Uh, you know, I want to retire at 55. Um, it's not something that occurs to most 20-year-olds to say, but once again, to go back to the budget, if you're really looking at where you're spending money, I will tell you that we often hear, geez, I wish I hadn't partied as much in my 20s and 30s. I just, a ton of money went through my hands. So, um, you know, save early, use compounded interest, uh, learn the behaviors, and don't be afraid or embarrassed to say to other people, you know, this is what I'm doing because I have a plan. Great. Brenda, thank you so much for joining me on First Year Out. With my pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode of First Year Out. Welcome to this track's bonus content. Several alumni offered some specific advice on how to find an apartment, so I've included those details here in the hope you find it useful. First is Mia Rossi, class of 2014, sharing how she came to find an apartment in LA. I know someone who's lost like a couple grand to a Craigslist scam thinking he was gonna get an apartment. Um, so that was out of the picture pretty quickly once we figured that out. And then we discovered this site called Westside Rentals. And I'm pretty sure they're just on uh, maybe in other states besides California, but definitely just on the West Coast, I think. Um, but that one is you pay to, uh, to have an account for either like a month or three months or something where you can peruse postings that um, are much more likely to be legitimate. Um, so it was good to find a reliable like search engine, I guess, um, to find spaces available. And that's what we did. And we basically, I had like my whole list. I would list a few every day, um, new things that fit our criteria, fit our budget. Um, stuff that wasn't too far from work, which is really nice in LA if you don't have to drive too far to work every day. Um, and then we checked out a bunch, like there was one day, I think we checked out six apartments or something. Um, Jaime had to leave for work or uh, or we were just tired, it was at the end of the, the day or something. Um, and we were like, let's just, let's just see how far this next one is. We just have like one more today so let's just see how far it is and we we're like oh it's really close let's just go check it out um and then we can like go home and we pulled in uh and it was just really clean and nice looking on the outside um not like too fancy but it looked pretty upkept and we met the property manager and she was she's like this friend really friendly like older lady um and she really liked us immediately because 
we're animal people and she loves cats. Um, and it basically like just fell together like that. The apartment was really spacious for an LA apartment. Um, and they allowed pets, which is great. So it was just sort of like all our criteria and within our budget. Um, and yeah, it was kind of like the miracle spot. All the other places we had checked out before were kind of like, we would have to compromise something big. Like there was an ugly carpet or there was no fridge or no stove rather. Um, but yeah, that one was really, we just got really lucky and we're still there after two years. Next up, we have Zach Mintz and Cece Mitova, both class of 2015, talking about their experiences finding apartments in New York. Uh, but yeah, finding apartments is tough, and the apartment cycle coming out of school is is pretty arduous. Uh, you know, June to August tend to be the peak season where apartments go very fast. So you need to be you need to be on your game. And you know, Street Easy uh, is a great website that has you know most of the apartment releases and findings and you know going into buildings that have leasing offices and being in contact with them before they're posted um so it's definitely work you can act really fast uh, you know i'd recommend being familiar with different areas before you before you even go look at an apartment so that you, you know can be ready to pull the trigger um you know when it becomes available uh but yeah it's not a, not an easy task at all and watch out for brokers uh, i would recommend looking at apartments with no broker fees Yes, it was really overwhelming. Um, so I was lucky I had spent two summers in New York prior to the full-time move um, to New York, but I, I, I still found it really overwhelming. Um, and kind of securing an apartment for a full year, signing the lease, we had to make a little bit of a down payment, or like security deposit, I think it's called. Yeah, security deposit. Um, and then have recommendations to um, that you will be a good tenant. Um, all that, but I was actually, again, I was quite lucky. I went through the process with um, two other West students, um, and then we did like two or three days looking around New York for an apartment, um, and we didn't do it very methodically, actually. We just went around. We knew the area, so we wanted to live in Side-Eye, which was kind of close to um, our offices, and um, we just kind of walked around the bigger buildings and went in and asked you guys have any openings <laughs> and then stumbled about a really nice apartment um, in the area and then we ended up actually so usually in New York the, the rent is obviously quite expensive so it was a two-bedroom which then we got people to build a wall so we turned it into a, a flex so then it, we all like the three of us could live in there but um, I think going going through the process with two fellow classmates was really really helpful as we were kind of had each other um, for support. Enjoyed first year out? Subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review so others will find us. Still trying to figure out what to do after graduation? Check out our online course, Career Decisions from Insight to Impact, available on Coursera. First Year Out is produced by Sharon Belden Castingway. Our associate producer is Lynx Mitchell, Wesleyan class of 2018. Our music is Audio Binger's The Wake Up, available through a Creative Commons license on Free Music Archive. It's really hard. 